Welcome to the Dark Zone, an adventure racing podcast. <laughs> you can go to a marathon, you know, probably one of the big ones, and then you can be one out of probably 20 or 25,000 people who finish. But if you finish a world champ, you're going to be one out of 40 or 400. And that's pretty special. Not many people can do that. So it doesn't matter that you finish on the top or in the podium. But you're going to, if you finish a world champs, if you finish an expedition race, you know, a four or five day expedition race, you are part of a very small group of people in the world that can say, I finished something like this. Okay, you people sit tight, hold the fort, and keep the home fires burning. And if we're not back by dawn, call the president. You're going the wrong way! What? You're going the wrong way! He says we're going the wrong way. Oh, he's drunk. How would he know where we're going? Yeah, how would he know? Thank you. Thanks a lot. Welcome to episode 88 of the Dark Zone, an Avenger Racing podcast. This is your host, Brian Gatins. Today's guest is Santiago Lopez, the race director for the upcoming World Championships to be held in Ecuador. Our first episode of 2024, we're kicking off a series of episodes, hopefully one a week for the next eight to 10 weeks, highlighting races from across the world and racers of all stripes and abilities. We're delighted that you are here. And you'll note that when the episode starts, Santiago and I are in mid-conversation. We begin by talking about, as you would expect, Arthur the King, the upcoming movie coming out March 2024 with Mark Wahlberg that chronicles an adventure racer and a dog and a big race, and it's going to be a big splash. And if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably already heard about it. So sit back and relax and enjoy this episode of The Dark Zone. We're delighted that you are here. Thank you to Jade Eagles from Wealth Garden Financial Services for sponsoring this episode. Jade is a fellow adventure racer who first started in Australia 15 years ago and recently completed the World Championship in South Africa. His other passion is helping individuals and their families establish a positive relationship with money and partnering with his clients to plan for a financially secure future. To learn more about Jade and his financial planning practice, The Wealth Garden, please visit www thewealthgardenfs.com and drop him a note. That's www.thewealthgardenfs.com. As a listener of The Dark Zone, you know that we support Ascend Athletics. We encourage everyone to head over to ascendathletics.org and check out their new initiative called Invest in Her, an investment in the future of girls in places where access is limited. Ascend Athletics does a great job working with young women in Afghanistan and Pakistan through education, climbing, and other opportunities. We encourage all of our listeners to visit ascendathletics.org and check out Invest in Her. Thank you for being a listener, and thank you for supporting Ascend. And remember, Ascend pays nothing for this sponsorship. We like what they do and are proud to pass along word of their good work. The author effect is going to be real. Yeah, that, yeah. That totally. movie is going to be really popular. It's going to be really popular. It's going to uh, help a lot. Um uh, 
not only area WS, but adventure racing, you know, it's yeah. going to be easy for us, you know, just to tell people that what is adventure racing, you know, which is difficult sometimes, you know, when I go to sponsorships and it's like trying to explain them, you know, what we do is, is not so easy, but if you have a movie and if and you can, you know, you can just show them the, 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 the teaser or the, and they'll be like, oh, wow, this is awesome. I was speaking to a couple of the race directors on another interview, and they were saying how one of the biggest challenges they have is, is twofold. One is explaining the sport to people, right? Because mm-hmm. it's hard. It doesn't easy. And the other part, too, is local uh, local towns, local cities, they don't grasp. They only hear of 35, 40 teams. They only hear of 200 racers, 460 racers, and they think it's a small event. They don't realize the worldwide reach of the event. Yeah. And they also don't realize that a lot of the event discussion happens after it happens, mm-hmm. right? Not before. And so that's a, that's a, a thing. So I do think Arthur the King is going to do a good job helping to, you know, with this, like, have you seen the movie with Mark Wahlberg and the dog? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's adventure racing, right? That's going to help us a lot. Totally. Yeah, totally. It's going to be a, hopefully a game changer. I really hope that it's going to change things, but yeah, it's starting with Haiti and, you know, in Africa, I, I just felt that it was, you know, a really big thing. Uh, Africa was really amazing. You know, the, the energy, you just felt the energy in the people. And that was really inspiring because in some point, at some point, um, you know, it, it just felt like adventure racing was not growing. We are a small niche, but still it was not growing. And uh, it, it just felt that, you know, it, we got the idea that probably could disappear sometimes, but now it's different. I think that it's, 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 it's growing, you know, there's a lot of energy, new teams, young teams, which yes. is probably the best thing that can happen to the market because no new people is coming. And the regionals, um, I remember we spoke about regionals with Craig and Louis in China probably eight years ago. And uh, it was a project. And I think that this this project, you know, bringing regionals and making them happen is awesome. And also A1. I mean, A1 is doing a, a good job too because it, it's spreading voice, making making uh, people just to get in love with, with, with the sport because it is not an easy sport. It's very difficult no. to do. No, it's, it's yeah. a, you know, it's a, it's a complex sport. I, I agree with you that the uh, adventure racing, and, and I've been kind of hanging around the sport now for over 10 years. Right. So I've, I've sort of seen it. And I, th- I think for me, from my perspective, the, the best growth in the sport is coming from the fact that there are a lot of race directors who, who love the sport or racers themselves have raced a lot. And they want to turn around and give quality events out to the public. And in 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 so many ways, adventure racing is a true meritocracy that if you put out a bad product, you put out a bad race, you wither away, you die. People won't return to your race. But the fact that we're seeing, you know, the shorter races, 6, 12, 24s, the 48s, the 30 hours, and then you're seeing the expedition races doing well, and you're mm-hmm. seeing all that growth. And and, and to your point too, the RWS platform has done a really nice job, you know, elevating it and the, the conversation around it. And so I do agree with you. I think we're uh, we're heading towards a bit of a sweet spot in adventure racing that we need to take yeah. advantage of. We need to enjoy it. Uh, yeah, no, we we need to make it grow. I yeah. think that uh, the platform begins with with national teams, and um, when you go to a place where there's no you know culture of adventure racing, there's no, no teams, and then you you try to struggle, you know, kind of struggle to have one or two. It is difficult that you can repeat in the same place because you need the structure, you need the base. 
uh, if you have the regionals, you start to grow with a group of young young people that you know probably they cannot do a, a longer race, but you can start with small races, probably very short races, even orienteering. Orienteering is good because you, they need they they you know they they stop having fear of the map, so right. they take a map, they you know they play with the map a little bit, even kids, and they realize that it's not so difficult. That is actually pretty interesting. So right. once they play with it, you know they bring more people, they make teams, and then you start growing, you know, step by step. And once you have a national market, then it's interesting because then you can have bigger races. You can make the the snowball, you know, to make bigger. So people can, you know, get really, really uh, into the sport and then, you know, then start planning international trips. That's, that's probably an example of what happened in Ecuador. Because we've been doing this for 20 years already. Right. And we started with, uh, you know, Wada Sinchi was a stage race. The first, one, the first edition, 2003, it was a two-day race. It was a stage race. But we repeated the race same year. We made it three days, a stage race. And then next year, 2004, we made the first uh, nonstop race in Ecuador. 20 years ago. So, yeah, we started with a big one, <laughs> but then we realized that we needed more people, you know, to start, you know, falling in love with the sport. So we started to 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 make small races and uh, just just to make the people to figure it out, you know, and, and try to understand that the sport is not so difficult and it's not so scary. Sometimes people believe that this adventure racing is very scary because they, they just see, you know, the, the, the social media and sometimes... It, it it looks scary. I mean, you know, people just sleeping everywhere, you know, with blisters and kind of make make you feel that, you know, probably I don't want to be there. But once, you know, they realize that it's, it's a totally different experience and you can actually enjoy being an adventurer in an expedition race, then it's a game changer because they can spread the word, they talk to other people, the, the market start growing, and then you have a base. Then you have a group of people that, you know, is going to grow with you, is going to tell another people that adventure race is good. And then you start building new teams, young teams. And that's what happens now in Ecuador. We had uh, 2014 in the World Champs, we had 20 teams, uh, Ecuadorian teams. And now we have pre-registered uh, 37. I think that we're going to get to 40, which is amazing. You're going to double the size. Right. So in, yeah, in yeah, 10, 10 years, you'll double the size of the field. Totally. And, and it is a small country. I mean, our market, our sport market, our, you know, is, is a country that has only 12 million people, a little bit more, but yeah, it's, it's small. It's a small country compared to Brazil, Argentina, obviously, Colombia. So, uh, yeah, I think that is something that is uh, easy to reply probably or, or to you know some some people can just uh, grab these ideas and probably start building their regionals in their countries so they you know grow the market grow uh, the number of national teams and then they can just uh, you know think of doing an adventure race you know an expedition adventure race uh, that can have a strong national base I think you're right too. I think the you know adventure racing is a is a, a funny sport because on on its face, when people see it from the outside looking in, and we have to be careful how much we talk about this in the media, how much we we kind of play up the suffering and the pain, and you know it's it's a strenuous activity. 
And and people and they see a combination of factors come together between the wear and tear in your body, the sleep deprivation, the physical effort, and and in some parts, the scary parts of the race, like the the mountain biking and the ropes. And they say to themselves, like, I can never do that. I could never be part of that. And the point that you're making is, is that if we create race distances that feel accessible to the to the to the athlete, the beginner athlete, they'll tap into that race distance. And then from that distance, they'll then branch out into it to larger and larger events. Or they might just stay at a certain distance for as long as they want. There are, for example, like the people who are runners. There are some runners that they don't run more than a 10K, any more than a 5K. They're never going to go to a marathon distance, but they might run 10, 5Ks a year. And yeah, so to your point is by having those those accessible events. And also, too, is we can't forget that people only have so much time and resources and the money to do these big races. It's a big commitment to go do a 30-hour race, to do a five-hour race. But you could do a you could do a six or a 12-hour race on a weekend. You can go and spend mm-hmm. one whole day getting to it. And so to your point is just build it in over time, build it in over time. And I remember when I raced down there with you, I was there in 2021. I remember the race in Ecuador, how it was, we were the only American team. There were very few North American teams that were there. We were one of them. And it was a huge Ecuadorian vibe. It felt like the Ecuadorian national championships. That's what it felt like like that to me. Um, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But they they come from all over the country. Uh, Most of the people come from Quito, but you have races from all over the country because it's it's been there for a long time. And and the structure of the... uh, of adventure racing in Ecuador is, is not uh, is not that we have an association or or a federation. It's, it's more like a, it's a group of people that we know each other. It's a community, right? And this this amazing community is is is, is awesome because we talk to each other. We sometimes we make group of uh, of you know a focus groups of 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 few racers and we ask them, okay, what we need to change? Why do you think that? should change in in the races so we can you know make them better for you so they can you know grow and they can plan uh, to grow in, and probably plan to race an international race in a couple of years so that's 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 what has worked for us and uh, and uh, and I think that is 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 going well because now we see a lot of Ecuadorian teams going abroad uh, in Africa we have four and and that was probably the best you know, the biggest participation of Ecuadorian teams in an in an uh, world champs, and it was far away. I mean, <laughs> really far away from Ecuador. So uh, I'm really excited about the future, even though we, you know, we've been there for 20 years. But uh, I'm really excited about the future because I see that the sport is 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 with a momentum that can make make it grow. You know, and and I see new teams. I see young teams. Which is also really exciting because this this tells us that you know the sport is not gonna die; it's gonna grow. I'm really happy about it. about the distances. I I agree with you that uh, you know short distances can be a discipline by itself. Probably the you know the, the shorter races, probably the sprint races, the, the ones that last 10, 12 hours. You know, road game races. They are awesome. They are awesome. They're very explosive, explosive races. You know, you need yep. to really. Be really, really strong, you know. Focus, strong, and and you have a good navigator. And we have some of those here. We we do one that is a regional race and it's a is a twelve hour uh, row gain race, and it's so much fun. You know, team just enjoy it a lot. Uh, but it's totally different than racing an expedition race. And sometimes I tell to teams, you know, expedition race is 
probably easier in you know if you talk about you know physical aspect of adventure racing mm -hmm. you need experience i mean you need to know your gear you need to know that you're going to be there for many days but you know uh regarding you know the preparation of your body it just needs you to be you know be be willing to be there for a long time <laughs> or you have to off. have right to your point like, <laughs> like i think probably the one of the hardest distances to race is probably 30 or 48 hours mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. and the reason being is it's a combination of explosive like you shared right like you don't really mm -hmm. you wouldn't really stop much during a 30-hour race a 48-hour race you, you'd make it you'd make a judgment call about rest and about sleep but if you're racing for five days if you're racing for six days you just have to be steady over that time you know and 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 that's where the steadiness will benefit you the health the the, the fitness will benefit you but if you're doing a shorter race the minute that gun goes off it's full gas until you get across the finish line and so in many it's funny to say it but a longer race is sometimes an easier race depending upon what your skill set is and if you see the the average age we saw we saw the numbers of africa and you have a number a pretty big number i mean 45 40, yeah. 46, it was the average with many teams, you know, above their fifties. And, and you, you can, you can tell, you know, those, those people are not really fast, but they, you know, they can resist. They, they, you know, they, they take good decisions. They, they can be there for, for a week. So that's the, what you need. I mean, you need to, you need to have both. You need to have this, this sport is so so awesome because you can have these sprint races. You can have two, three hour races really fast. You can have the middle. You know, you can be uh, twelve hours, probably the thirty hours. What you're you're talking about is is an interesting race because you need to plan with a lot of the strategy, you know, sleep strategy, and then you can have the expedition races. But it is like trail running. You've probably seen how trail running has developed uh, over the years. Mm -hmm. Trail running, you know, is, is not only the ultra trails. It's not only the 160Ks. You can race a 50Ks, and now with people that is specialized only in you know, shorter races, in, in, ultra, in shorter ultra races, and they are, you know, just racing that because they are specialized in that. I think that adventure racing has the potential to have more teams because they can actually specialize in race different types of distances. And in the future, probably some, some teams will, de will decide. They'll be like, okay, let's, let's do an expedition race because it seems like it's interesting. You need to be there for a week, but probably some other people will be like, okay, no, I want to do a, 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 a Rogaine, probably a 24 hour Rogaine, that's for us. Right. USARA does a lot of it. Yes. And I, I really like how it's, 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 it's developing because it has now a little bit more of a structure, and I yes. can see that you know in the United States, you can you can have you know all the options available, so people can decide what to do. That's that's, that's awesome. That's one thing you see if if you go over to the RWS calendar or even the USARA calendar, you're seeing it too in in, in Central and South America. You're really seeing how these uh, the, the nations are starting to build all these different races, and then the race directors are working well with each other and. The amount of races that I could cover, the amount of races I could talk about is it's every other week. I feel like I I hear about a race that was very successful that I never heard about before. And at one point I could probably tick off most of the races that were happening in general around the country, not all of them. But my ability to wrap my head around those races has actually gotten larger and larger and larger. And I, I think to your point, 
people are migrating into the sport because it seemed to be a welcoming sport and race directors are doing a better job with the racer experience. Like there's the barrier to entry, the bar you have to jump over to come to a race, rightfully so, is low enough that people of of fitness and of desire and of want could access a race and there's a race available for them. You know, mm-hmm. the, you know, I, if you read if you read the history of adventure racing and the way that it started, it's the way it was then. If you missed a checkpoint, you were out. You know, the race was 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 absurdly long. If you if you got left behind, you got left behind. And race directors, to their credit, are bringing more people into the sport by making it much. Um, I want to use the word easy. It's not the right word to use. I think accessible yeah. is the word I want to use. Make it more accessible. Accessible and actually enjoyable and. And you can, you, you can, you know, when I participated this year in Africa, I just felt that it doesn't matter. It didn't matter that if, you know, I missed a checkpoint or probably if I made the short course, I knew that I, I was going to be able to finish the race because, you know, there, there was the, the finish line was available. And that's, 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 that's very important. That's really actually, it, it's a game changer. It makes, you know, uh, don't, don't give up in the route because it, it just gives you, you know, this, this energy that it, the, the finish line is available for you. Right. It's you waiting for it. you. You just got to get it's yourself w- yeah. to it. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. So race directors are changing. Yeah. Uh, the sport is changing. The, the times are changing. And I, I, I agree with you. I think that we need to make them more uh, available, more uh, doable, especially the finish line. So you can get the motivation of racing and just because you don't, you know, you don't mark a checkpoint, just, just be out of the race. Right. Right. Well, so let's back up a little bit. So you were in South Africa. Now, first of all, let's back up a whole lot. You're probably one of the more active race directors over decades, two decades of experience, very, very successful in Ecuador. Next year for the 2024, you are the race director and the host of the world championships. But Mm -hmm. let's back up a bit more. This year, you were in South Africa at this year's World Championships. Were you there as a spectator or were you there as a racer? I was there as a racer. <laughs> so, so let's not even talk about Ecuador yet. Let's talk about South Africa. Mm-hmm. Who did you race with and how did your race go? Well, it, it was amazing. The, the, the experience was, was, was great. I, I started to race again because I, I raced uh, before, you know, like the, uh, 10 years ago. I raced uh, – on Team New England, I raced uh, Bossy, Colombia a couple of times, and uh, uh, I raced in Chile too. But I stopped racing for a while. You know, I have small children, so I stopped racing for a while, and uh, it just hooked me again last year in Panama. And I started racing with a team with Pacraf Ecuador, and then we have a blast. We enjoyed the race so much. You know, I, 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 I really love to be part of the race again. So I decided to race with the same team in Ozark this year and we had an amazing experience. Ozark was one of the best races, you know, how they they managed to to organize the race. You know, Jason and Danny, they made, made an amazing job. Uh, so I felt in love again of the race with the race. So I decided to to build a team uh, uh, to come to to Africa. I I needed to be in Africa because of the promotion of the world champs that we have in next year. So you know 
I, I didn't want to be just an spectator because I've been in many, many adventure uh, world championships and as an spectator, and I, I didn't want to be an spectator this time. So I decided to make a team. Uh, Rodolfo, which is my partner, my lifetime partner, you know, he's been with me for 20 years already too. Uh, he decided to join the team, which was amazing. And also we have uh, two young, uh, amazing guys, uh, Vanessa and Andres. And these two guys are expert mappers. They they are working with us with maps and probably the teams that raised the White Asinchi this this year, they can tell you that you know maps are much, much better because we are doing a, a work from scratch. We we're actually using you know all the technology available just to make the, the, the maps top, you know, probably the best maps available they are. And we're you know just working a lot to make sure there's every single trail on the map. So they are doing an amazing job. They have a lot of energy. They're much younger than us. So we we made a team of, you know, uh, two older and two young people. And uh, the expectation here in Africa was to finish the race and enjoy. And we did. I mean, we we did. We we had a blast. We we spent you know fifty three hours in in the second trekking. <laughs> so yeah, we we, <laughs> we 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 took our time. I mean, we slept when we were tired. We we you know, took took care of our feet. Uh, we ate a lot. We had fun in the TAs, and we finished. And we finished in the top fifty, which is also unbelievable. So we 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 really. We 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 had a blast. You know, we we didn't have this um, sensation that probably some adventure racers have of being, you know, super tired that with the sleep monsters and then you want to sleep everywhere. We didn't have that because we we ended up, you know, having good places to sleep, being dry. You know, we took care of our ourselves a lot, so we we enjoyed it, and I think that this helped a lot just to motivate a lot of Ecuadorian teams actually, you know, to, to enter the world championship because they saw us, you know, as a, as an organizer. Uh, but, you know, they, we finished, so they are, okay, if they finished, probably we can do it. Yeah. And to that point, the idea that the, not only are you a race director, but being a racer yourself, that gives you instant credibility when you discuss the race with other racers, right? It's, it's one thing to be a race director who never, gets it on the course is one thing to talk a bit about it. And so to your point, the fact that you, you went, you had that experience and you mentioned that, that, that 53 hour second trek. I remember watching the, uh, the, the dots from my, uh, from the, uh, my, my, my basement in back in New Jersey. And I remember seeing how, when that bad weather came in, that all of the teams just got off the course and they all found some place to get warm. And there were, yeah. you could see farmhouses where they were like five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 teams all sort of gathered around until the yeah. weather passed and you were back on the course. And I, I respect the, your approach to it, realizing that it's a, it's a long, long race. It's going to be, it's a race of attrition, right? It's going to, it's going to eat teams alive. And, you know, God bless the Estonians and Safford and Viterade and Bend and all those teams, like more power to them to get out there and go, go full guns right away. But you make a good point that with two older racers, two younger racers, you had to play to your strengths, right? And realizing you spent a lot of time out there, um, as a race director who's doing that race, as an experienced race director too, you're always on the hunt. You're always on the lookout for things that you could learn about race directing that you see what other directors do. When you reflect upon the experience in South Africa from the pre-race, the race, and the post-race, 
what did you learn that you're going to apply to worlds coming up? Yeah, well, first of all, it's, it's beautiful that we have a lot of diversity in race directors also, you know, yes. in, the, in the AWS. And this diversity of how they think, how they approach the sport is also rich. It's very good because you can have a lot of differences that are not actually bad. The standardization of the sport is good in some areas. Probably we need to, you know, work more uh, with the standardization of some things, probably safety rules, etc. But the diversity of of the terrain actually it gives you, and the culture gives you, you know, what is amazing of every race. Every race it has to be different. Right. And I think that Stefan and Haiti they they did amazing. Um, we knew that Stefan was going to do a long, long, long race with long stages. So we kind of got, got ready for that. But uh, it just surprised me. The, you know, the the TAs were on spa. <laughs> right. Yeah, we, well, I heard they were almost too comfortable. Yeah. yeah. Like, so, like some okay. racers were like, we got to get out of here. Like this is like, all of a sudden we sit down by the fire and you just burn through time. Totally, yeah, yeah. And so we we had to take care of that because we saw the fire, we saw the comfy, you know, chair next to it, and it was just calling you, you know, please sit here. And and we were like, no, <laughs> if you sit there, you're you're gonna stay there forever. Stay away so, from the fire. Never yeah, go near the fire. The fire. That's Always. Yeah, For everybody yeah. out there, rent a racing. Do not go near the fire. <laughs> you found a fire and you found a place to stay in every TA. So that was right. unbelievable. That was unbelievable. Sometimes, you know, you have to put that in a balance because sometimes you, I felt as a race director that we needed to go much further, you know, in the stage just to get to a nice place. And probably sometimes it's not the best decision because, you know, it, it was probably too long. Right. Too long just to get to the nice place. Probably you can put a TA in a place where, you know, it's not too comfy, but then you don't have to do this extra 20Ks, uh, you know, trekking in a not so nice area. So it's a thing that you have to balance. But I think that Stefan and Haiti made an amazing job of the finish line, you know, the media, the camaraderie, the energy. I mean, the energy of 109 teams yep. in the same place from all over the world. It was it funny was when I... It uh, was unbelievable. I, I never felt something like that before. You know, and I've it, been in many, many adventure uh, world champs, and, and I've never felt something like that before. So... Uh, that's, you know, going back to what I said at the beginning, I think that it, this race changed things because the energy of adventure race just changed a lot. And I think that's from this point, you know, from this world championship, things are going to just grow. The movie obviously is going to help. And we have the bar pretty high <laughs> because we need to do something different. Obviously, it's going to be different. Ecuador is different. You know, we've been doing this here differently. But, you know, the bar is pretty high, and uh, I think that we, we we have this challenge, and we are going to make it nice. In regards to the media, one thing that Stefan did really well alongside, you know, with the dark zone was that uh, we sat down, the two of us, and before the race started, he did a full course overview where he sat down with me and he talked about every single part of the course. And then the day the race started, we released that episode. So people sitting at home could listen to an overview of the entire course from the race director. And then when they followed the race on the tracker, they understood what was coming next. They understood what was happening for the racers. So I, I'm definitely going to be um, on top of you before Ecuador that you and I, if I'm not down there, 
you and I are definitely going to have a chance to sit down and talk about the, the course itself and really get granular talking about the distances and talk about the different disciplines and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, 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 so the four people that you, the three people you raced with in South Africa are all three of them involved in the planning for the world championships in Ecuador. Yes. yes. So that's, that's a really good, that's a, that's a very, that's very good news. Cause besides the fact that you have an excellent reputation as a race director, the fact that you have three part, three members of your team alongside you who have seen such a successful worlds being run, you're going to carry that energy into, into, into Ecuador and to put that together. Um, yeah. So getting a bit into Ecuador itself, when I had the opportunity to race there, I know that we were very high. We were up in the mountains. I think that first day we went to 13, 14,000 feet. And, and thanks thanks for doing that. I appreciate that being the first day of the race. Um, I know that Ecuador has a very, very varied terrain. Without giving any parts of the course away, is this going to be a high race up in the mountains? Is it be low in the jungle? How are you, how are you talking about it publicly now? Yeah, um, at the at the press uh, at the award ceremony at the end of Africa, um, I stood in the in the podium and I said to everyone, "Okay, we know that uh, Wadasinchi 2014 was pretty high, and it was you know a, a, a very long race also, but it was linear. It was totally linear. We crossed the Andes in latitude zero, so we crossed the Andes uh, in the equator. This time we were going south." Southern part of Ecuador is uh, still, we have the Andes still, but uh, the Andes are much lower, much lower. So the altitude, you know, the highest elevation up there is not as high as in the north. So we're going to have some passes. We're going to cross some some high areas, but it's not going to be that high. And it's not going to be something that is going to change the, the, you know, the, the course of the race. Uh, I think that teams... You probably many many teams have asked me. Okay, I need to acclimatize. Yes, yes, because you're gonna be high, but you probably don't need to be here for a month. I need you probably need to be here for a couple of days before because this 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 passes. You know, these mountains, this 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 area in the Andes. You're gonna go up. You're gonna cross, and then you're gonna you're gonna go down again. So, right, you aren't you aren't living at that elevation, so it's about getting up and over yeah. the top of it. Yeah, yeah, we're we're not staying there for long long periods of times in 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 the stages, and most of the stages are planned to be in lowlands, so you are going to be in a very rich and diverse area with a lot of forest, jungle, some um, very humid terrain. Uh, it can be cold at night, but it can be very, very warm also during the day. Yeah, it's it's, it's you're basically in Ecuador. It's 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 the it's that combination of jungle, wet, yeah. yeah. That's like that you get exactly what you get when you race in Ecuador. Yeah, yeah, and and it is a small country, and uh, the beauty of being a small is that you can cross the Andes and you can be in the coast coastal part or in the rainforest pretty easy and pretty fast. So what what people can expect from 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 the World Champs next year is a lot of climate variation, a lot of terrain variation, and a lot of diversity. You know, if, if someone asked me, well, what what I should bring to to Ecuador is well, you you have to bring clothes, you, you know, for different uh, from from different uh, temperatures and weather, but also you have to be aware that you're gonna be able to see the most amazing birds and animals 
And if you pay attention, you're gonna be fro you're gonna you're gonna see frogs, you're gonna see you know different type of uh, toucans, and and it just blows your mind because at night when it gets dark, the the the, the animals, uh, you know, especially the mammals or the birds, they stop singing, and then you can start listening to the insects, and the sound of the insects in the rainforest is something that. I've never experienced it in anywhere else. It's, it's just music that is going to, you know, go with you during the night. And it's just amazing. It's beautiful. Clearly, the, uh, the, your devotion to Ecuador is strong and you, and you love being an ambassador that, that brings it out to the world. And you, wanna, you want more and more people to come and join you. If someone's interested in, into coming down there, what what is the is the do they fly in through Quito? Will there be trend? Like if if someone's home right now thinking about registering for Worlds, and I don't think registrations has it opened yet. No, it's going to no. be opened in January, um, okay. the fifteenth of January. We have a uh, hundred and twenty teams registered, registered okay. which is a big number. Uh, we're hoping to have uh, the same number of Africa, probably. Well, let's see, probably a little bit more, probably a little less, but, you know, 100 teams will be the, the goal. And, um, yeah, it's going to be open in the in January. And, and when they, you know, they, they register, they, 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 they're going to have a plan of, you know, payments, and, and it's going to be very nice. We're not telling exactly the place where they're going to start yet. Because oh, Ecuador yeah, is there small, yet. and we have a lot of teams from Ecuador, so we don't want them to know now where you know the, the race is going to start. Right. But I can tell you that if you if you are booking a flight from the United States or from Europe or from Latin America, you can come to Quito and mm -hmm. then you can fly to Cuenca, which is the the biggest city in the south, or you can fly to Guayaquil. And then drive to Cuenca. It's only four hours, three hours and a half from Guayaquil to Cuenca. So that's another option available. And then you can rent a car, and then you can rent a car in Guayaquil, and then you can leave it in Cuenca. And uh, it's pretty easy. Actually, it's pretty easy. And the drive from Quito, if you go by land from Quito to Cuenca, it's only seven hours and a half. So, and it's beautiful also because you're going to cross all the high mountains, you're going to see the snow peaks, volcanoes. So it's also beautiful. So it's going to be uh, an experience for the family. Some people have asked me, should I bring my family? Yeah, totally. Cuenca is just an amazing place for, you know, the family, the area, the southern area has a lot of a lot a lot a lot to offer. A lot to offer. So yeah, do it. I love I love how the and and I think this speaks of what they did in Africa was if you're going to go through all that the the the, the time and the and the and the challenge of getting there, bring your family along and then do something on either end of it to, to yeah, enjoy yeah. the area and, and Ecuador. And, and I, I will tell you the experience I had there was absolutely wonderful. I, I couldn't have asked for a better, uh, the race organization was very, very strong. I couldn't ask for better. The, the people we were in Patate, which is in the, the, the potato growing region. Um, we saw every ounce of, of that area. So I do agree with you. I think that that's from a, from a destination perspective, that's the way to go. Um, and January 15th is when it opens up and then more and more will be released as we're going, as we get closer and closer. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm assuming much like with all the world championships, you're going to give information on lodging and what they can do and where they like families can go. That will all follow in the months that are coming up to it. Yeah, um, we're going to try to make it, you know, during the first uh, the first part of the year. So everybody is going to be able, be able to, you know, figure it out and then book with some advance so they can have good, you know, prices. Uh, November is a good month. It's not a pretty high season. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think that the, the options are, are 
are available there are going to be a lot of options also. We have direct flights from Europe through Madrid and Amsterdam, which is pretty easy. Also, you can come from the United States directly from many cities. You can come from Denver, from uh, from New York now. There's a new flight yep. directly from New York. There's another one. Miami and Houston connect through there too Houston as well. Mm -hmm. Also, yeah, yeah. And you can go to, to Panama and then from Panama to Quito. Yeah, there are plenty of options. And from Latin American teams, especially the Colombians, that's easy. You know, the Colombians normally they drive to, uh, to Quito and they come to Ecuador. Um, and from Brazil, Argentina, Chile, you know, they, they can come. We have many teams from all over the world. Uh, we counted yesterday, we have uh, 28 nations represented already in the pre-registration. Yep. That's great. That, I mean, that's just, that's the way it's supposed to be. So speaking of teams that are pre-registered, any uh, any predictions on early race favorites? Oh no! We, you know. <laughs> oh, well. It's a little early to have that conversation, but I'm always curious what you think. <laughs> well, we we have a lot of uh, you know strong teams in the top ten in the ranking. It's not so difficult. You just go to the ranking and then you see you know who's there. Is is a mixture of you know uh, being there for many races. And also because they are really strong. Right. I think that uh, Estonia, Estonia came once to Ecuador and they didn't finish. They they have a DNF because they got lost actually in a high area. So they they really want to come back and you know make it better. So I hope that Estonians can do a, a good job. I I'm sure they will. I think I think that be the right has, uh, you know, the good knowledge of the country. You know, Urti has been here for many races. Um, so, yeah, strong teams. Uh, obviously, you know, uh, people from from Sweden, you know, mm -hmm. the teams from Sweden are pretty strong. So I, I'm I'm sure that they are going to do an amazing job. And from, from the United States, too. We already have 10 teams from the United States. And I really believe that they can, you know, the teams from the United States can do an amazing job here. Uh, yeah, this is just a wonderful terrain, and they, you know, pe people and teams are going to enjoy it a lot. Um, obviously, the Ecuadorians and some, you know, many people have said this, said this, said this to me that the Ecuadorians have some advantages here because you know those language, they know the the people, they they know how to ask. But this this was when we had maps that need needed people, you know, to ask. Or more directions. Right. Once you have good maps, you know all the information is right there. You actually don't need to ask that much, and you know you kind of level the thing. You know you level the field for everybody is the same. So I think that the maps is gonna make things different, and it, it doesn't mean that the Ecuadorian teams are not gonna be very strong here. They're still gonna be very strong here because we already have many strong teams. I mean. You know, Africa was a good example. We had two teams in the top ten. Mm -hmm. and, and, and don't don't underestimate too the idea that they're that it's their country, they're playing host, but you want to win. There's a sense of national pride, and an Ecuadorian team would love to be the world champion, having won that race in Ecuador. So I, yeah. I think I think it's going to be. I think the the, the heavy hitters, the, you know, the Estonias, the Viterates, the Safets, those teams, uh, Nature X, all those the the squads that we talk about in terms of being very strong, they're gonna have their hands full. I think that you could see. Uh, I mean, I was when I mentioned to Michael Lindor, he told me I was wrong for this many, but I think you could see anywhere from seven to ten teams that are going to be vying somewhere in there. I know that's a high number, yeah. but I think that with the Ecuadorian teams dropped in there, with the the teams that are traditionally do very well, 
the front of the race is going to be really, really challenging. But as we all know, and this will be well covered in the media that I'm sure, there's the pointy end of the race, but then there's that whole middle pack that gets coverage and gets attention and gets your time. And, you know, as all those stories are told, um, I I think that's going to be a big part of it. I'm assuming that's a bit of a change for you as the as the landscape has changed, the amount of media that you'll be expected to produce for the race. That feels like that expectation has increased on race directors over the years in terms of live reporting and updates and the tracking. Do you feel like that's increased for the race director? Yeah, um, I feel that that has increased. I feel that uh, the movie is going to make things even bigger because the attention is going to be here in Ecuador also because we're going to have... Uh, uh, we're gonna have teams that raced with Arthur. Right. We're gonna have you know racers you know from Sweden that are gonna gonna come here, and even the national media is gonna be interested in you know having some interviews and follow the race because of that. But also, I think that the the connections we have now, you know, the technology we have, is 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 also something that is making the the sport more reachable. Right. And you can you can you can share you know from everywhere. Now you now we have this, this system of uh, internet with satellites, and we are using it. So yeah, you can go to a very very lost TA in the middle of the forest, and then you can have Wi-Fi. You can have right. Wi-Fi, and then with Wi-Fi there, you can you know just tell the world what is happening in that place. That didn't happen you know five years ago, or probably it didn't happen. Two, three years yeah. ago. <laughs> it's amazing how quick uh, between the Starlink setups and the and the whole yeah, idea yeah. of the, the tracking and the dot watching. I mean, I, yeah. I as you know, I, I had the chance to, to spend some time working up here with one of the expedition races in America with Endless Mountains. I've worked with, with Fruitstock Racing twice on that. It's the when you explain to somebody the idea that the, the the people watch the race in real time, there's a whole army of dot watchers that are watching it. But then on top of that, all of the eyes on the page and all the views those internal metrics have to be so strong. Even, even myself, like when the episodes that I did around the world championships are some of my most popular episodes I've had this year, just because so many eyes fall on the race and then those eyes then go to other sources of information. And to your point, Arthur's going to create that also, the idea that, that more and more people are going to be interested in the fact that this is the first really, really big event following the release of the movie on an international scale. Um, I think Ozark yeah. is going to, is going to, Ozark in April is going to benefit from a bounce. I think they'll mm-hmm. probably, you know, because they they follow right. At, I mean, Arthur's March twenty second, and Ozark is like mid April, right, seventh or the fourteenth. It's like it's right there. Yeah, <laughs> but Ozark also is going to help us because you know, with the with the movie and Ozark there, many uh, American teams are going to you know just you know be like, okay, what's the next step? And the next step, you know, the natural next step is to race the world champs. Right. So probably, yeah, we're going to have many teams from the United States. Now we have 10 pre-registered, and I think that this number can grow up to 15 easily. Yeah, I agree with that also. You you had spoken before about, you know, and I think you're you're a great interview because you have such a long legacy in, in adventure racing. You've seen so much over the course of the years. What 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 should the sport be careful of now with the, the growth that's coming and the fact that we're, that we're going to have all these eyes on us? Because we've you know, we've the the collective community. One reason why we've been able to grow as a community is that we're so niche and we're so kind of set away from the rest of the sporting world. All of a sudden, a lot of the world is going to have their eyes on adventure racing. What what danger signs do you think we should be looking out for? Uh, we, we we have to avoid to you know uh, fight to each other. You know, 
and be jealous, you know, of dates, especially because, you know, we have now two big uh, uh, series round and then we have, you know, this world champs that is, is, is natural of, you know, because of the, 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 the time that's been there. Um, but we have to be careful of not, you know, be jealous of all the races around. Right. We need to follow the this this hype of you know growing and and it doesn't matter that there are many races, you know the thing is that if there are many races we are gonna keep grow the number of teams, and uh, I think that the, uh, the the new association, for example, that is that is you know is, is public now that is around there. It's also very good too because this this association you know can can be there on top of things and say to everyone okay this should go this way and, and probably set the lines you know and, and probably mark some red lines that you don't want to cross. Uh, we need to be careful of 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 not changing the sport. I mean the spirit of the sport you know the the real beauty of the sport is the diversity it has. And uh, the community, obviously, and being niche is also very important because being niche makes you a very strong community too. You know, people can talk to each other. Right. It's it's Teams small enough that they, the, the the culture is small enough that I could talk to you and you're in Ecuador and and you could get on the phone yeah. and you could talk to South Africa and you could talk to Europe and you could talk like there it exists that we're small enough that you know all of the players and all the people everywhere and nobody's out there off on their own because you have a personal contact with that person. Totally. Yeah. You, it's, it's reachable. Everybody's reachable. It's easy, but we also need to grow. I mean, if we look at the, the opportunities it's bringing, we need to grow. We need to go to the, to the sponsors, to the big ones. We need to go there and see if they, you know, they can support the races and they can support teams right. and, and the movie can help a lot because then you can tell to the biggest sponsors, like, Hey, there's a there's a movie about this. Then you can watch it. You can see what it, where we are talking about. Right. And right. I think that uh, we never nobody knows you know what is exactly what is going to happen you know after the movie. But I think that there's an opportunity for teams and for race directors to use this 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 great uh, thing that is happening you know of making it public and making everybody knows what it adventure is. So you can just make more business people. To you know, uh, bet on the on the adventure rates, and I think that the sponsorship is something that is gonna make this change. It, it, it's a mix of what we talked before about communication and how you can you know broadcast this and can, how you can show this to the world, plus the biggest sponsorship. If you can mix the two and make it grow right. in a and in a structural in a ordered manner, then you have something that we can work with you know for the future. Right. So we need to do it. I mean. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. I think that the the, the next the step here is coming pretty fast. We're gonna have a big, big change in adventure racing pretty soon. And we need to get ready to be there. I mean, we need to take this wave. We need, we need to surf it pretty well. And we, I think that we're we're ready. I think we've been there for many, many years. There are many teams that have been been racing for many years and many good race directors. We just need to get together and just you know talk about what the future looks like. The adage applies here in many ways that if that if adventure racing is to is to 
be harmed, it's going to be due to what we do to ourselves, not what the outside forces do to us. It's going to be the internal. It's going to be the community that they don't that they don't get along. And I agree with you. I think that it's a it's a sport. You know, race directors are a really good example of that. Like different race directors have different styles when it comes to presenting races. Right. Some are, are are linear in nature. Some have a lot of checkpoints. Some have a lot of transitions. Some have these have fewer checkpoints with longer sections. And I think that the diversity that you find among race director and race director style is good for the sport. Right. You don't want to be too uniform there. But that's an example of the diversity you see in the entire sport when it comes to thought and to action, how you want to present these things. But there are those things that are somewhat non-negotiable, like race directors would all agree that you have to have a a course that is challenging and that it's safe and that it's there's Mm -hmm. enough risk involved and that there because it's a risky sport. Right. We can't sanitize the sport. And by doing all those things throughout the world and all these different races, it's going to help the you creating a uniformity of the sport that is healthy and yet still maintain that diversity. It's a complex thing to talk about. Mm -hmm. It's a complex Mm -hmm. thing to do. But to your point, with your two, two decades of experience, is that you're able to speak to it with some authority because you've been successful over time. It's when somebody new comes in and thinks they know everything, that's where the challenge is going to come. And that may happen because we may get very popular very quickly come March. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and probably something that the new association needs to work on is the safety. Yes. Safety is something that we need to standardize. We need to understand that if it doesn't matter that if we go to Asia or to South America or to North America, we need to we need to make sure you know we have a pretty fast response in any terrain, and that's something that uh, is not happening everywhere. I mean, uh, we still need to work on that. I mean, as a group, as a, as ARWS, and 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 I think that uh, I cannot speak about any other races, but. I just think that this needs to get more serious because we're having more races, we're having more new people coming. So yeah, we we need to avoid accidents. And as you said, is 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 a risky sport, but it it, it doesn't has to be a, a risky. You know, you have, you don't have to get there because it is a risky sport. You need to be there because you can feel that the risk, but it has to be a risk that is controlled. Right. The race right. director has to know that he can reach you at any point of the race. It doesn't matter where you are, or because they have you know the the tools they need to to do it. Here in Ecuador, it's difficult you know to fly helicopters and get there, especially in the rainforest. It's not so easy. So if you if we need to evacuate somebody, we need to plan accordingly. Sometimes with mules, sometimes with people. You know, we're, you know, sometimes it's, it's on ground. But we need to plan accordingly, and yeah, yeah, I think that uh, that's a challenge. It's a, it's a beautiful challenge because it's something that we need to start talking about. I think also we we can't take away from the idea that, uh, and and this might be an, an American legal approach to it, is that all of the definition of safety falls upon the race organizer. And and I remember when we raced in Scotland, we were over there in 2022 and the, the first uh leg of the race was a big long sea kayak and you were going out to this beautiful island and you were going back to to mullen james thurlow put a, a great race on there and during the pre-race captain's briefing uh, someone asked is there a safety boat on the water right that's and there were 40 teams are going out there and james's answer was well yes there's a safety boat out there but the reason why you're teams of four and the reason why you're in two kayaks is that you are each other's safety boat 
And the point that he was making was, was that we cannot offload all of the expectation for safety onto the race director, that there should be a level of understanding in teams to also be proactive in their own safety, making good decisions on the course, when to down climb, when to do these things, when to get in the water, when not to get in the water, but then also to be reactive in safety. That if someone gets injured, if someone is hurt, is there wilderness first aid? Is there basic expectation for a medical kit? Is that kit checked? Like those kinds of things have to work in unison because a concern that I would have is, and and once again, this is very much an American approach to safety, is that we're very, very quick here to say that the organizing body is the sole arbiter of what is safe and what is not safe. But if if you choose to do something in an event, and away from adventure racing, you choose to ski, you choose to run a marathon, you agree that you're taking on some sense of risk and you have to make con- decisions for yourself. And so that's my yeah. little... That's my feeling about that when it comes to safety, because my concern is that we, we begin to sanitize the sport. And that's not good for anybody because there's a subset of our personality that we want the risk. We want to be we want to be we want to have a trial. We want to feel good about ourselves and do these scary things because that scratches an itch for a lot of us. That's that's my feeling about that. Totally. And I agree with you. The, the beauty of this sport is that that you have to plan where where you go, how to reach to the next CP. And that has to be, you know, the same route. So, you know, for as a race director, I can tell you that sometimes you can, you know, you can have teams, you know, attacking this this CP from many different directions in many different ways. Um, and that's very difficult to control. So yeah, I totally agree that, you know, this this basic rule of being four in the team, you know, and taking care of each other is pro- probably the best thing, you know, we can still have to have to have, you know, once I remember that some some people were asking me, well, "Okay, let's let's do this alone." And it's like, "No, no, this this can't be done by yourself." Even when you know some teams or, or some team members quit, is is risky, right? If you have a three-person team on a course like an expedition race, is a risky right. gamble because you you can you know you, you you can get to the point where you have to leave one person behind. Right, and you don't want that. Right, right. You, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot do this with you know a couple or just one person. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. There are many, many aspects in this area of safety, uh, but it's something that is coming, and uh, uh, that's what I'm excited about because I think that we need to talk about this with the new race directors, with the new generation of adventure races, and I'm excited about the association because I think the association gets gets to you know they to talk about this from all you know from a different perspective from a neutral perspective right which is good i do agree with that i think that having a level of neutrality for the international venture racing association is a good thing right we applaud the work that the various organizers have done we love the fact that they've done to the sport in many ways they've kind of carried the sport along you said before that you thought the sport might disappear at one point race directors have been the one that have, have kept the sport on life support have kept it alive along the way and now that the sport is growing, a governing body that is that is, is as neutral as those kind of bodies can be, right? Because there's always going to be human human contact in there. They're the ones now who are the stewards for the sport. And their job is to keep the sport healthy and to keep the sport moving. And I think that from a high-level perspective, which you bring with your years of experience, that makes a lot of sense. I I, I think you're I think you're absolutely you're uh, you're accurate when you talk about it that way. So those those challenges are there, those challenges exist. Um, give me the the other side. We've talked a lot about the all the benefits the sport is seeing now with the the bigger races, the regional series, the racing in North Central South America, worlds being in Africa, Asia coming online. 
if you look in the crystal ball and you're looking down the road a little bit, what do you what changes do you see being positive for the sport? What what do you see? Do you see greater use of um pack rest, for example? Do you see more ropes courses? Do you see longer races? Like as you kind of grow the sport in your own world, what direction do you think it should grow to keep being healthy? Mm, probably the first thing will be to make races or as a race organizer to to organize races for the enjoy of the racers not for the suffering <laughs> it, it makes it a, a, a different perspective a different approach i mean if you think of a course that is not going to be the toughest but the you know you have to have your prize in every stage uh, and this prize can be, you know, a beautiful waterfall, a uh, top of a mountain, a wonderful view, or probably, you know, a nice place just you can go and swim. And and that's that's something that race directors are thinking more and more. And right. more races in the in the, in the serial are doing races, you know, just for teams to enjoy, because we talked about the top teams. And we talk about you know probably twenty teams are gonna be in the, on the top of the of the list of, of the good teams uh, you know to try to finish in the first place in Ecuador. But the the rest of the teams you know eighty percent there are not going to be there in the race to be on the top or at the podium. You know they are going to be there to finish and to enjoy. So it's eighty percent, and that eighty percent you need to. Think about that eighty percent. You know, probably a little bit more than the rest, because they are paying the bills at the end of the day. Right. You know, well, they, they, well, well it, because of that eighty, the twenty yeah. get a full long course, right? Totally. They they make it happen. Right. Right. To organize right. a race, an adventure race, an expedition race, a a world championship is very very difficult, time demanding, time consuming, very expensive. Uh, so yeah, we need to have more teams involved. And the only way to make this happen is to make races that you teams, you know, finish. It doesn't matter that they finish last, but they enjoy. And they right. can tell other people, okay, I loved it, even though I finished at the, at the last place. So there may be people who listen to the dark zone and a lot of folks come to the dark zone who are beginners in the sport. Tell the explain to the world why would somebody go through all of that effort and time to come in 60th in the world. What happens out there that makes it worthwhile to them? Because on many metrics, <laughs> if you if you use a simplistic metric, right, of, of on the podium or doing really, really well, some people would be like, well, why would you go through all of that to finish in the middle of the pack or the back half of the field or even the 40% the, the in? What does the sport give to those people that they keep coming back, that they'll go through it all? Well, you... You can go to a marathon, you know, probably one of the big ones, and then you can be one out of probably 20 or 25,000 people who finish. But if you finish a world champ, you're going to be one out of 40 or 400. And that's pretty special. Not many people can do that. So it doesn't matter that you finish on the top or in the podium. But you're gonna if you finish a world champs, if you finish an expedition race, you know a four or five day expedition race, you are part of a very small group of people in the world that can say I finished something like this, and that's probably the the best prize. 
because uh, there are not many people that is doing this because they feel that it's very, very hard. At the end of the day, it's something that it, it, if you finish a race like this, you can, you know, you have a story for a lifetime. You change, you know, you 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 change during the race because of the experience, you know, how hard it is, you know, the, the people you work with or the people you race with. And uh, this experience is a life-changing thing that, you know, you have a story to tell for the rest of, of your life. That's probably, you know, what drives me. I'm speaking from my perspective. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to be there for winning. I don't think that I would like to. There are some people that love to go there and race as fast as possible just to win. But my perspective is be there just to enjoy, to finish, and to have a life experience, a life-changing experience for myself. Well, there you have it. Santiago Lopez, a sage voice about adventure racing, 20-plus year experience, long-distance racer, successful race director, and race director for the upcoming World Championships. Thank you to Santiago for being part of this episode of The Dark Zone. We appreciate your time, and we look forward to the race you're going to give us in Ecuador. To our listeners, welcome to 2024. This is the first of a whole bunch of episodes. Looking for to get eight in a row in an eight-week period. There, I said it out loud. Now I have to do it. So sit back and relax and enjoy all these episodes of The Dark Zone. Enjoy your winter training for those in the Northern Hemisphere. For those in the Southern Hemisphere, enjoy your warm weather. If you like what you hear on The Dark Zone, please head to your streaming platform of choice and like, click, subscribe, leave a review, all that stuff. The algorithm seems to like that. And we like having you here. Thanks for being a listener. Be safe and keep on training.